this will be the penultimate episode we do from the cupboard. The, or the closet. We're counting down. I suspect, yeah, so I'm meant to be out of this place three weeks today. Okay. Which will be Friday 16th, for those of you marking your calendars. Right. And, yep, that's it. So I reckon we'll do we'll do this one. We'll have probably one more before then. And then the next one will be in an actual house. Uh, one of those. Well, actually, maybe there'll be, there might be one in the middle where I, like, do it from our my work. Oh. That'll be interesting. It's possible. Wait, so, like, just one, one question only about the house. Are all the walls yours? Any shared walls at all? No, it's detached. It's a totally detached house. So you can yell. I can yell. M- wonderful. Like, I mean, I can yell. I can yell at the moment, but uh, you know, the people upstairs would hear me. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Wow. Was that? No, that. So they, I'm sure they would have heard that. Barely came through. Your microphone did not like that. <laughs> at least Discord didn't like that. No, I, I aimed my voice at the ceiling, and uh, that's why, that's why it was slightly off mic. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, it would detach house, man. That was part of the whole reason for buying it. I was just, 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 just double checking, just to make sure I understand how loud we're going to be getting on the podcast in a month's time. Well, you know, I can, I can be heated but restrained. You know, I'll disagree with someone or politics or Suella Braverman, but I'll <laughs> do it. Because we disagree so much. In a, in a firm but fair way. You know, I'm not going to be yelling at Suella. Ah, yes. You're a, a trash human being. Should. You know, that's as loud as I'll get. Okay, yeah. All right, so no no change to the... Maybe no change then. But uh, it does mean I am leaving the closet and will be moving into a detached house where, rather than a closet, it will be a corner. It'll be like a Collins corner. Like a, a failed <laughs> British TV show. That's what that is. It does sound like a British TV show. Welcome to Colin's Corner. I didn't say failed. In this week's episode, we unpack trauma. Oh. Oh. Here's Colin. So it's like, uh, it's not too late in the day, but you want to start getting sleepy. Here's a right, peaceful right, trauma right. unpacking TV show. It, I like it. It could be that. It could also be like a children's TV, but like with slightly sinister undertones. That doesn't sound that, the same. Hey, kids, have you had a bad day? Don't, doesn't matter. Smile and bury it deep. You'll be fine. Oh, perfect. The best advice. That is... For now. just what the kids need to hear. It'll creep up on you. You should do kids TV. When you're an adult. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See you next time. Don't think about the long-term health repercussions of constant stress. You'll need a therapist. That's a problem for the future. (laughs) Sold. Where's the commissioning heads from the BBC? Get on here. Give us Colin's Corner. Give the people what they want. I tell you what. Tell you what, though. British children's TV. Not bad, actually. We do a good job. I don't watch it. Yeah. But it's, it's famous. We're, we're known for the good TV for the kids. And the thing that has done or has gone particularly viral over the last few years is when they get a celebrity to read a children's bedtime story. And this goes on air like 7 o'clock at night. And the viewing figures for right. this these bedtime stories are... That's actually a thing. The high, oh, have you not heard about this? No, they've had like Tom Hardy has read uh-huh. maybe three or four of these bedtime stories. And obviously the viewing figures go right up because look, it ain't for the kids. Aww. It's for the mums and the dads to be like, oh, look, <laughs> there's Thomas. He's very handsome. And then they'll have, they've had like Daniel Craig. I like that, Thomas. Uh, I'm sure they've had Oscar Isaac, maybe Harry Styles, all these like famous. Wow, all right. I didn't know this one. Hunks of men who have uh, gone on to read children's bedtime stories on CBBC. All right, no. So yeah, British TV, doing it right for the kids. I just keep seeing like clips from actual kids' TV shows popping up on the internet every now and then. I know for a fact that that one called Bluey has like a incredible theme tune. 
It's the theme tunes that get actual, you. Actual banger. So these bedtime stories, they get like millions of views. Right. Uh, Tom, Tom Hiddleston, he did one recently. Dolly Parton. Dave Grohl. Oh, my. Chris Evans. These are all people who've done... all of these make sense, though. These are the oh. celebrities who smile and you think, oh, that's real. <laughs> it's not just being paid to be there. But it's become like a thing where clearly for these celebs, they all, because, you know, Tom Hardy's done it, Tom Hiddleston's done it, so it's like, oh, I, I want to do it now. And so... All the other Toms are like... Oh, yeah, man. so you clearly get all these people who... Some of these names, I have no idea who they are. But then for every... Right. You've got, like, Chris Kamara from Soccer 8. Chris O'Dowd has done this. Uh, David Schwimmer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. You are definitely reading these alphabetically. <laughs> Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ewan McGregor. So you can see Felicity jo- Yeah, you're right. I am doing it alphabetically. But you can see this is like a who's who of pretty people. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not really for the kids, but clearly they're on to something. It works. It works. Add Colin's Corner to that repertoire. But that's the, that, I think that's the most late night slot successful like children's media is the stuff that keeps the parents entertained too. We see that in films as James well. James McAvoy. That's what the that's what the podcast is all about. This is a children's podcast. This is a children's podcast. Yeah. So okay, I'm going to stop scrolling. We, now. we are allowed to say that we don't have any oversight, but. I do feel like we can't actually say that morally. <laughs> no, no. There's a lot of stuff here, which... Now, I know there are some people who have children who do listen to the show. Whether they listen My to it boy, with their children... Thank you. I don't know. But I tell you what, uh, James, the last episode that we did... Right. Before we even got into the actual um, topics of the show, I told people to pause and go listen to my brother's podcast, oh, the... the Strong Men. Yeah, but that one was... And the episode that I just did with him. Right. And I tell you what, clearly, it just like transferred all our audience over to, to him because he posted on Instagram the next day and said, Hey, everybody, within 24 hours of this episode going live... It's now my most listened to by an absolute mile. So thank you, loyal listeners of Seesaw Parade, for clearly just us. leaving on mass. Yeah, yeah. 100% us. Maybe a little bit of algorithmic magic in there, but prompted by <laughs> us, of course. Nothing nothing to do with the fact that uh, I was whoring myself out on LinkedIn or Instagram or the fact that and I'm sorry, I'm being very self-deprecating Wait, here. But did you say LinkedIn. LinkedIn, yeah. Did you post a podcast episode on LinkedIn? Well, hold right, hold on a second. Let me give you the context here. It was like a hard-hitting, serious post. It wasn't like, "Hey, everybody." It's the most corporate sentence you've ever said. I'm not sure whoring myself out on LinkedIn is a corporate sentence, but... Well, okay, yeah, okay, concept. Here's the thing. On LinkedIn, because, you know, I've got these grand plans to eventually spin off of my media training to set up my own thing, that's not a secret. Is secret? Okay, I was going to say, this is a Well, it's somewhat of a secret, but it's not really... It's not, well, I can't say the bag now. But, you know, look, I wouldn't do, tra- I wouldn't keep doing training. I would do consultancy. So that's different. Right. Okay. Right. So don't so sue me, boss man. Yes, yes, But yes. basically, LinkedIn is where... What would you call it? What would you call it? <laughs> business. What do you mean? What would the name of the business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, it's got to be very much not what your current Colin's one's called. Corner Consultancy. That's what I'd call it. <laughs> Colin's Corner. <laughs> right? No. Yeah, okay. Anyway, that's by the by. I'm yet to choose a name. Long story short... 
the key for me to build up my own right. Collins Corner is LinkedIn yes. <laughs> because I am meeting these intelligent, well-educated, yeah, 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 yeah. high-up position people. And if I make a good impact with them, they remember me rather than right. the training. And, so, and, the, and you think the podcast was good? Good. Oh well. So here's here's why I did it because I've been building up like every single time I every week when I run these courses I will add the people I've worked with on LinkedIn. Therefore, growing my okay. connections. I believe I have nearly one and a half thousand people on that LinkedIn. So very genuine business genuine friends. business friends. Yeah. Yes. And then I posted on it just about this episode I did with Chris and said, "Hey everybody, this is one of the most difficult social media posts I've ever written, and that's the hundred percent the truth." Ah, very real. Where I talked about hey we got into some really challenging topics about uh, men's mental health, about the things you would tell yourselves about gays being the worst and then believing all that stuff. And hey, if you want to go listen to it, here it is. And it got a Very good, actually, ginormous yeah. response. All right, yeah. So yeah, that basically happened. And what also then was a result of that was lots of people who messaged me and said, hey, uh, I was listening to Seesaw Parade and then I'd heard you mention the other podcast and I went and listened to it and it was amazing and you're so brave mm. and you're the best. Mm. But then it also made me realize there's lots of people mm. who are listening to this right now who have never told us that they mm-hmm. listen and they just hide in the shadows. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know you were there. So they've revealed themselves. Yeah. So I know who you are. Mm. I know who you are out there. So I need to go record a traumatic episode somewhere <laughs> so that I can tell everyone That's about it. it and then everyone feels compelled to tell me that I'm brave too sure and then i'll find out who the secret listeners in the corner are as well so secret listeners we appreciate you very much but also for for chris who put that episode together and asked a lot of the right questions and got a yeah a fantastic response i was really overwhelmed good interviewer actually that christopher is good interviewer for sure he was great could have taken my day Wonderful. job but no the response was amazing Maybe he could be your first employee <laughs> Your first co-consultant. You know what? If uh, if my consultancy involves designing d- well-being yeah. programs for people, yes. Which it could. It absolutely could. You know what people need to do well in the media? Good life. Precisely. <laughs> they need to exist. To everybody who listened both to, or who listens to this show, but also who stopped and listened to the episode I did with Chris, which, yeah, I appreciate, was very heavy-hitting. Uh, and was difficult. I was very overwhelmed by the response. Thank you. I, From the bottom of my heart. What did we talk about immediately after the pause? Uh, we talked about King Charles being oily. Perfect. <laughs> Great segue. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I can see why everyone stopped <laughs> and went as soon as they heard of a, the existence of another episode of something else anywhere. Precisely. Like, Just like, hey, this is the, the host of the podcast you're listening to telling you to go somewhere else. Oh, you know what? I will take that permission and i will that sounds smart and you'll listen to someone who actually is taking his job very seriously as a podcast host and is very good at it whereas someone who's just done 300 odd episodes and does it because uh, it's fun it is fun though but the gets and shiggles does that, okay see that thing where i said it was fun though i kind of take that back immediately <laughs> seesaw parade episode 313 moving swiftly on okay. thank you very much for listening as i have uh, already said but i could say it a bazillion times thank you thanks and uh you're listening to scotland's longest running uh-huh, definitely entertainment should. slash news slash politics slash uh elon musk advertising f- fan club podcast that last bit was a lie in existence 
It's only one lie. True. Colin is here and James is over there. Say hi. I am. Yeah. Hi. I'm not moving. Colin is. I'm moving, yep. So it's going to be uh, a menagerie of reverby background sounds from my microphone because I can already hear it in my headphones. I am kind of bouncing off the walls here because all my soundproof foam is disappearing. It's being packed oh, into yeah, boxes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Magic. next episode I'll do from our office because that's where all my stuff is going. Yeah, I've not actually told my uh, colleagues this, but that's where it's going. And then the one after that will be in the house. And uh, ideally, will be that'll be us for the next several years. How about that? Yeah, yeah, for sh- at least. At least, yes, absolutely. It's a stunning house, and I am very excited to move in, even if legally it's still not ours technically yet. They could decide, you know what, actually, we want to keep the house. Sorry, bye. They could. They, they won't. They might still give you the TV. But, but they, they could. could. <laughs> so that's the part that's just keeping me up a little bit at night. Okay. But for those of you who have and are listening, thank you for getting in touch with the show. You can do at Seesaw Parade on Twitter or in person, uh-huh. as I was uh, I was given some feedback today oh. uh, by okay. Luke and his girlfriend Annie who I met today at uh, oh, okay. The Winged Ox, which was fantastic. Oh, I've heard of Very that tasty. Yeah. Dog-friendly, too. And we were oh, good, both good. leaving in different directions, and I we waved goodbye, and we hugged, and we said, oh, that was lovely to see each other soon. And then, of course, 15 minutes later, wound up side by side at the traffic lights. And he genuinely thought for a second that someone else, some other random car in Glasgow, had a seesaw parade sticker on the back of their car and took a picture of it and everything. Oh, no. And then only just to <laughs> disappointingly realize, oh, no, that's just Colin. We've no, ended up at the same place 15 minutes later. So, nope. What a lead I am. As far as I know, one of only three people with that sticker in the back of their car. One of whom is uh, my partner's dad. You know what? Three is quite a bit, it's though. more than zero. I, you know what? Three requires a couple of fingers and another one. Okay. It's true. So you can do that. You can also... Yeah, if you, here, look. If you want a Seesaw Parade sticker to put on the back of your car, uh-huh. because you're that much of a fan of the show, yeah. let us know. Seesawparade at gmail.com. I will post it to you, because I've got some. Well, uh-huh. actually, they're in boxes at the moment, so it might be a while. But yeah, if you want one, let me know. Spread the word. Yeah, we don't have a guarantee for, like, delivery times. Could take a year, but well, precisely. You could ask. But hey, look! If you want to spread the word that we talk about oily monarchs, this is the best way of doing it. Free advertising for this well-refined, uh-huh. thoughtful. I, that was a good oil pun there. Well done, <laughs> uh, Virgin Show. Oh, that was less good. Yeah, slippery. That's what we are as hosts. Greasy. Wow, slick. it doesn't ever end. It really. When I do this, it's hilarious. <laughs> When I do it, it's... Uh, it's just all of it. Who you, who's do it? It's just... Because when I do it, you don't find it funny. Let's be real. But like, it's because we've got very... I, I, I'm not saying I'm funnier than you. No, but it's because it's all in the delivery. Like, you are very... I don't know if droll is the right word. It's probably an insult. Bored? No, droll. Like... No, you, no, you see what happened was when I was younger, I, I used to talk more uh, all over the placey, excitedly, and I got told it was too f- effeminate right. and you need to sound m- like you've got a deeper voice so then I trained myself to sound completely dead inside for several many years and it still is a thing I do okay. by accident so I-, I may have touched this uh, touched on this in the there we go tell me I'm brave everyone <laughs> very brave <laughs> I may have touched on a very similar point in the podcast with Chris, which was when I was a teenager, I told myself my voice was too camp and people would figure out I was gay. And so I would basically work on lowering my voice to about here 
and then would be like, hey, look, mm-hmm. no one's going to know if I, I'm my true self. So I would just uh, lower my voice as low as it could go. And then here we are several years yeah, later, yeah, 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 still yeah. passing as a straight man. Although I outed myself yesterday at football, so that was fun. Wait. Okay, so for starters, I'm assuming football people do no not know idea in general. No, because it's like it's like lads, lads, lads. Right, and so how did you do it? What did you, what did you, uh, was it deliberate? Trying to some people on the way out. No, it just like it slipped out. Oh. Uh, ironically, yeah. And <laughs> so uh, yeah, it happened, and then I I ran away because we were literally coming up to you ran. I I jogged. I like jog walked walk jogged. Did you increase your pace? I did. Right. After. So we were all kind of walking back to our to the cars and like chat chat chat. And I was talking about the house, and then I'd I'd initially mentioned oh my partner, and then I thought ah oh, partner. Screw it. Mm-hmm. It's time for for brave brave bird. And oh, so not completely by accident. No, it, like intentionally, but but not in the way that I did. It was literally my last sentence was, "Huh? Imagine his reaction when I said it was me and Graham," and then ran, <laughs> ran away. You are so cool. It's like no, it was like imagine if his reaction when I said it was me and Graham. Okay, see you next week. Bye. Bye. Yeah, just leaving them with that thought of oh 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 oh. Hopefully that lasts. Oh yeah, yeah. So the full journey. That's the gamut. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so when's the next football? Uh, Thursday. So have fun. Maybe they will kick me harder. Maybe, or maybe they won't. They won't want to come into contact with. Maybe you. they won't want to be my team. And yeah. you actually, you they won't. You won't get tackled as much. You know all of these things because you've got germs now. So although in, in fairness, the, you'll be you'll be better at football. Just before this, one of the guys who I play with said we were talking about like oh getting old and getting slower and all this, and I was like, yeah, you know, I, I play yeah. with um with this this kid Vinny, and he's maybe like fifteen, sixteen, and he's so quick, and it makes me just feel really old. And then I I was saying this in a very self deprecating way, and this guy was like, no, Colin, you could play for an amateur team, no bother. Oh, I was like. Pfft. No, you you don't mean that. You've not seen me play clearly enough. If you think I could play for an amateur maybe, team, maybe you've got you've got the sense you've got the sense. Maybe as like the sub who comes on in the 89th minute because he's the manager's nephew. That's what I would be. Uh, at this point, in no way are you the nephew. But yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, very difficult to uh, segue from this to Suella Braverman, but we're going to do it anyway. Uh, oh, Shall speaking we? of people who are on the team purely because of artificial reasons and rather than the skill and competence. What really? How so? She's not a nephew. Well, yeah, but she's not got skill or competence. Right, but she's not related she's to. Gotta be some artificial reason. <laughs> it's not like she's Rishi's cousin. No. How did she get that job? That's a good question. Good, yeah. It is a good question. I've been asking myself that question about many of our MPs for quite a while. Is how did they happen? Well, at least they didn't pour oil on her this week. That what that that was okay. That was for those of you who are very puzzled as James uh, currently is. That was a reference to uh, King Charles, who has had uh, oil poured over him, but we weren't allowed to see it. I got the reference. It's just com- completely unrelated. It's fine. I, I, I the oil jokes are funny to a point. All right. Anyway, okay. That was this... the, point, the point ended last. Actually, it was funny at the start of the podcast too. At some point in the last ten minutes. It was one too many oil jokes. Thank you. Well, glad we have uh, drawn a line under that. Uh, alfresco dish. So, Suella Braverman. 
Home Secretary <laughs> facing fresh allegations of ministerial code breaches uh, over her failure to do a couple of things. Here's the first one. Yay. It turns out that she had, for several years, worked closely with the Rwandan government. What? How about that? What? That sounds like it's kind of closely related to one of her gigs right now. It's kind of close to where she was like, oh, wait, hey, can we send all the immigrants to Rwanda? Okay, well, to be fair, it was Pretty Patel's idea, I think, initially, right. anyway. to send immigrants to Rwanda. However, I think if you're taking over the give the money to Rwanda job and send the immigrants there, you should probably be like, oh, I've got close ties with the government there. You should probably say that, yeah. So By the way. Home Secretary worked on a charity called the Africa Justice Foundation, which trained Rwandan government lawyers yeah. for five years. And now right. several people the charity worked with are now key members of the Rwandan president's government involved in the £140 million deal to send asylum seekers to Rwanda. Exactly. And of course, Ms. Braverman had not officially disclosed these previous links to the country when she was appointed Home Secretary last year, uh, despite this deal being, as you've mentioned, a linchpin of this government's migration policy, uh, which of course is subject to many a legal challenge right now. Are we surprised by this at all, James? Okay, well, there's two levels, again, as as with every single Tory MP surprise, is that you're initially like, how have they even done this? But then you're like, of course they've done yeah, something yeah, yeah. like this. You know, there's always going to be the next thing that they've got some random link to, and it maybe helps them make money or makes their friends money or makes their family money, or it just seems slimy and they should have done something about it, but they yep. didn't. Every time the Tories should have done something but didn't, it's not a surprise. But the thing itself is still a surprise. In this instance, I'm surprised that Suella does any charity work. <laughs> it's a tax write-off. That's why you do it. <laughs> Oh, I yeah. Get so, it like, any time I donate to charity, I I don't have to pay tax on those donations. I set up my own charitable foundation, send all my money to my yep. own charitable foundation, where it stays in that bank and doesn't get taxed. I believe that might be called fraud, but give it a shot. We'll we'll find out if the show continues. I'm not saying I'm not saying Soella does that. No, of course. But I get I, there are definitely not the best reasons to do charity. There are scummier charities and and good ones. Um, I'm pretty yeah, sure um, this may well come up in future episodes. You know the whole like Captain Tom thing, the hundred year old dad, good dad, great grandfather who <laughs> yeah. had to do laps of his garden, hundred year old boy, yeah, yeah. And uh, then it turned out like his his daughter and the husband had set up the charity and were paying themselves something like eighty thousand pound salaries. All right, yeah, maybe more, yeah, 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 to do their their charity job. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. just leaving Captain Tom to walk in circles. Yeah, but that kind of thing's really common, right? Just rich people. I'm not saying that the Toms were rich. Exploiting their 100-year-old father. Rich people yeah. do just exploit things, events, ongoings, to put money into charities that they and their families control. And that's it. Yeah. And All right. the money often doesn't do much after that. And it's traceable to do nothing after that. And it's just a way for them to dodge taxes generally. Okay. It's very common. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, when one of the little people did it, it goes to court. The, the second story, though, involving Suella Braverman, I'm sure yes. many of you will have seen. And this is her <laughs> speeding offence. So the most recent headline was that the Prime Minister <laughs> decided... Why driving? I don't know. Anyway, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak decided 
that the way she handled this speeding offence did not breach ministerial rules and would not be investigated. So here's what mm-hmm, happened. Mm-hmm. The Home Secretary was caught speeding yes. in June 2022 and she asked officials to privately arrange a speed awareness course rather than take the three points on her licence and a fine. Uh-huh. And basically she was told, you can't have a private speed awareness course, you have to go to a public one. And she was like, oh, but what if I get recognised and someone knows it's, it's an me? actual class. Yeah. And then I'll get in the headlines. And so... Put on some sunglasses because nobody does Right, you. so that's essentially what happened. She attempted to get this done privately and uh, it was all kept under hush-hush rug time and opposition parties... Hush-hush rug time. <laughs> that's yeah. the follow-up to Colin's Corner. Opposition parties had then called for an inquiry into whether she had breached ministerial rules, but of course, after discussion with his ethics advisor, I use my air quotes there, yes. Mr. Sunak said he thought an investigation was unnecessary. Of course. So, yeah, that happened too. Like, Suella has got to have dirt on someone. I mean, surely. They must all have, like, dirt on each other. They're just waiting for, like, Matt Hancock. They're just waiting for it to break. And then suddenly everyone was like, oh, wait, he did this. Oh, and also he did this. Oh, and also this happened too. No integrity is the implication. But I I don't get it. One, this is just yet another Tory with, like, getting in trouble for driving and driving-related activities. Boris very recently was in a car without a (laughs) seatbelt. So it's and the, the, the copying, copying our prime minister himself. I don't. I, this is a lot of driving offenses. It, it seems like in recent years, like one year, three offenses. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, but the, yeah, I don't. I like. I've not read enough to know exactly where where the supposed breaches are, but it's just more slimy behavior. Yeah. You made you you broke law. You go to the course or you take the points. You don't get privilege. Because you're just better than the rest of us, you know? Apparently you can. Or you can try, at least. Apparently, you can try, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you believe in it. Okay, well, that's that's been the, the headlines. It's been a quieter spell for, for UK politics, but what has been in the news yeah. more recently, particularly this week, is the polis, the police across the UK. Yeah, the actual polis. Actual polis. So we'll start with the polis, Aye. which in Scotland... The Chief Constable of Police Scotland has admitted, and this was on Thursday, admitted in a press conference that the force is institutionally racist, Mm -hmm. discriminatory, Mm -hmm. sexist, Mm -hmm. and homophobic. Shock and awe. I am amazed that they are any of those things. Right. Sir Ian Livingston said... He is leaving, but he's retiring he's, he's in August. Out, so yeah. <laughs> he's like, this is literally the equivalent of someone like leaving your home, and then just as he's closing the door, he's like, "Oh, by the way, your house sucks," and then <laughs> running away. <laughs> anyway, Sir even Sir Ian Livingston, he said, "Prejudice and bad behaviour." I in your bed. Away I go. <laughs> with, within the force was of great concern and acknowledged that these issues uh, existing was vital for actual change to happen. True. Which, look, I read what he said. Yeah, well, yeah. And I was like, yeah, fair, fair enough. But I'm unconvinced this was the right. W- I don't know what the right way to do it was, but it did very much feel like a parting uppercut to whoever's filling his shoes. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I, I would say that y- if you're going to come out with any statements like this about recognizing this or that and all of these problems, you also want to kind of prove that you've tried to address them ever Yeah, yeah. as an individual. So, hey, I was the chief. Everything's been really bad and there's a lot of discrimination going on. I'm out doesn't go as well as like, and here's how we've been trying to tackle it. And I hope 
that we can keep on doing better, you know? Sure. Because I, don't, I didn't see anything about the tackling off. Right. So like what he's done. It was off the back of a review of the culture within Police Scotland, which was published just the day before, mm. which uncovered and published first-hand accounts of racism, sexism, and homophobia by serving officers. So there were instances of people being punished for raising concerns about colleagues. Yeah, 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 yeah. Other f- main findings were about it being a boys' club for women Officers had spoken to BBC Newsnight, all at different levels of Police Scotland. And if you remember, maybe it was last year, maybe the year before, uh, the former firearms officer Rona Malone was awarded almost a million pounds in compensation. Oh, yeah. After an employment tribunal found she had been victimised when she raised concerns about sexism. Basically, her commanding officer said, I'm not sending you out with another woman officer because you're both women. Mm-hmm. That was basically it. So that, of course, has been the background. But then there's the Sheku bio case, which is currently in an inquiry stage in Edinburgh. They're weeks into that. That, I'm sure, will have an outcome probably shortly. So this has been ongoing, and it's in the wider background of the enormous issues of the Met Police. But because Police Scotland is the second biggest police force in the UK... It is almost inevitable that they were going to have these instances. I think what surprised a lot of people is that Sir Ian Livingston was quite so bold about saying, you know what, you're right, these things are all accurate, because we're yet to see that being replicated by yeah. any other head of a police force in the UK. I mean, yeah, but have any of the other ones had a report come out just the day before? Well, they may have. And they've got to do one of these big speeches. Yeah, yeah, I think the the new dude in charge of the Met did say things of a similar nature at some point, but obviously what we clearly just need is accountability because as soon as a report came out, holding the police to some level of account, immediately the response is, yeah, these things exist. Whereas before it was obviously just not talked about and it should have been and it wasn't addressed and it should have been. So if we just keep on trying to keep them accountable, we maybe will actually see some progress towards uh, a decent police force if such a thing is possible um like yes there are messier ones the met is messier and then if we look further abroad there's even messier police forces but any problem is still a problem so it's, it needs to be addressed um and i would say there's an element of surprise we're in like yes no if, if you've got employment to some degree in any field there's going to be a bad person that slips through the cracks of the system and say something racist or does something discriminatory or is sexist or any of those things the the surprise is that even until now 2020 whatever we are still seeing the reporting on that being suppressed or people coming out with concerns being bullied into silence and it, it, that is just apparently a thing that was happening until a couple of days ago or a couple of, a day before this speech. So it's yeah, it's it's the same kind of surprise as, as the Tory surprise. Like it's not actually a shock. Sure. To know that the police are be are bad people that suppress complaints, just like any any other um, group of people that wants to protect themselves does but it's it's still a surprise to me that it's it is as rampant as it as it is well on that like we should have dealt with all of this years ago right but on that note there has been another police force in the news this week and it's the south wales police oh man yeah in a really terrible story so this happened i believe on uh, monday night there were riots in the la area of cardiff after two boys died in a crash on an electric bike. 
And it seemed really unclear for the first 24 hours what on earth was going on because it just seemed to be it was a Monday evening and then suddenly yeah. massive riots. There were cars being set on fire and tipped door. Fireworks were being shot at officers. Some officers were hospitalized from minor injuries. All sorts of chaos unfolding on the street. And then it, it came out that, yes, two boys had died in a crash. The South Wales Police Crime Commissioner initially came out and said, because this was the rumour, yeah. the police were chasing the boys. And they, he came out, Alan Michael, he came out and said, uh, we weren't. And then... Yeah, we were not chasing them. We were not chasing them. And then CCTV came out from various different households, which showed that they were. But here's the thing. following them. (laughs) The CCTV shows these boys on a bike whizzing past and this police van chasing them. Or let's say following them at speed. Which I'm yeah. sure is what the police would have said. Yeah. And then... He's not got his lights on. And the, yeah. Please. And there's two of them and one of them is 15 and they don't have helmets on. So... Yeah. They are going... They're chasing these this bike down a street and then the street becomes bollard. So, of course, the bike can get through but the van can't. And so the CCTV the shows around. the police van turning off a side street and the bike continues. Yeah. Less than a minute later, the boys crash. Yeah. And are killed. Yeah. The police, at that point, technically were not chasing them. They were st- like a few streets well, away. They were on a detour, but probably trying to refind the next place where they could catch up precisely. to the boys is the idea here because they knew they couldn't follow directly. Right, exactly. So what I believe has happened then is either people have seen this has happened or one of the boys, I don't know what happened in terms of um, where they died, but may have said to someone, oh, it was, the, it was the coppers, it was the police that were chasing us. And that is what then led to this chaos and and the riots that unfolded. But what was most striking to me was the fact that the police basically said, oh, no, it wasn't us. And then the CCTV came out and uh, Chief Constable Rachel Bacon, there's footage here when she refused to answer questions about the CCTV footage, despite it obviously showing a police van following the boys. And it took them like three days to come out and say, oh, so we, we were chasing them but not when they crashed yeah which like in brackets which was 60 seconds after we left yeah like they they, they knew what they were doing there's no it's really way bad that they didn't think like oh well we weren't technically chasing them at the end of the event exactly we were kind of like going the long way around so let's just say we weren't doing it yeah no amount of just small miscommunications leads to that direct denial somebody in the chain just straight up lied and that didn't get noticed, and they've just denied the truth, which was that they were following these kids, they were following the guys, which obviously leads to more reckless driving, leads to a crash. I guess one of the things I don't get is if they thought, if if the police are following the, the boys, thought, oh, we've got to follow them, like, when do they have to, like, start making it clear, pull over, you know? What's the actual rules for the police following here? I, I don't it's, know. It just feels like wrong to be putting the pressure on any because we see we know the police do this right they put pressure on drivers who they think are like yep maybe a bit risky they're like they'll pull up close uh they'll make it clear they're following but they don't actually like flick the lights or ask you to pull over or anything so I, i i'm feeling that if events like this are even possible we need clearer more defined rules for police and their ways to communicate with the people that they are interested in yeah yeah and 
in this instance, of course, it ends up with a riot if there's if there's rumors that it led to the death of some kids. There's going to be, particularly in this this area of Cardiff, but whether it's Police Scotland, it's the Met. This repairing of relationships and and reputation is going to take decades because of these small incidents that community will never trust an officer again at least not for a long time yeah yeah that that, that this kind of thing happens and then decades and decades pass of it being like the legend of why we shouldn't trust the the police and we see that like we we're in glasgow we see that all the time there's, there's a bunch of communities who just by default don't trust the police won't talk to the police and it is because of years of back and forth um and uh, the police abusing their positions to 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 wield power. Okay, well, I do want to talk about one more story actually before we move on, and it's Jacob Rees-Mogg and his admission oh. about voter ID. Oh man! So this is oh man shocking, but also quite funny. So yes. Jacob Rees-Mogg at a I believe it was the National Conservatives United conference, some opportunity for some uh, racists and racists and bigots to get together. But uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg <laughs> was giving a speech at this event. And he said, he admitted that the Conservatives bringing in voter ID, and that meant, as we discussed in a previous episode, you had to show or prove who you were rather than just walk up and say your name and then then they give you a card. You had to prove who you were. And he admitted that this backfired and that they did it intentionally, intentionally. crazy language. In an attempt to gerrymander the election. So for those of you unfamiliar wrong, with... Wrong word there. Gerrymandering. Wrong word completely. Wrong is, word, but sure. Right, but it's the, it's the same idea. So gerrymandering is when you change, the, those in power, change where the boundaries election are. election maps. You're yeah. like, hey, actually, most of my votes come from the north of this particular region, so I'm going to stretch the boundary further north to get even more votes and ensure I stay in power forever. That's gerrymandering. And he's admitted it backfired because it turned out that loads of old people didn't have the ID that they were being asked for. Yeah. So the government had argued, hold on, hold on. Government had argued previously, just before they introduced it, this was necessary to prevent voter fraud, despite that not being a problem whatsoever. And then speaking at that conference, Jacob Rees-Mogg, and I quote him here, says, Parties that try and gerrymander end up finding their clever scheme comes back to bite them, as dare I say we found by insisting on voter ID for elections. We found that the people who didn't have the ID were elderly and by and large voted conservative. So we made it hard for our own voters and we upset a system that works perfectly well. Honestly, I don't know. Ah. I know Jacob Rees-Mogg is not that smart. It's obvious. (laughs) Victorian ghost man. I do not understand how he thought that was a, a thing to say out For loud. For sure, I was very Ever, surprised. Never mind at a conference. If you're like trying to game the system, even if you're failing, surely you, you know not to say, oh, we tried to game the system, which they did. And we all knew that that was their intent. The, I, the idea of voter ID in the UK being a thing that helps the Tories get more votes. Um, the reasoning and the logic seemed sound. And it probably kind of is. Yep, yep. But there was just this extra group of people that hadn't been accounted for, which is just a bunch of old people who don't have the bus passes and all the things that you kind of should just be getting for free. And they're, they're, they're old and they don't follow up with it themselves. They don't have the tech to be aware of these things. They're showing up to the polls, hearing about ID for the first time because they've not been reading the news. They've not been on the internet. Um, but yeah, so 
it was an attempt, and he is right at something akin to gerrymandering because there was no border changes, but it was they were trying to game the system. It backfired. I wouldn't say that that parties who try to gerrymander find out that their schemes go wrong because that's just a lie. Because the states, right, places in the states do it all the time and it works perfectly well for them. Um, and I'm sure it would work if you just did it here, but actually gerrymandering rather than trying to manipulate the vote via ID rules. Um, but how do we follow this up? Because surely, if anyone in the in the conservative system is saying we did this for selfish reasons rather than good reasons, there's immediately an inquiry <laughs> yeah. and checking in. The, Doesn't appear to be anything. But I've not seen anything. And why hasn't there been? There has to be. Surely, there's a, there's there's got to be some challenge to this now that someone's come out and been like, oh well, we tried to mess everything up, but it went a bit wrong for us. <laughs> I mean, frankly, I was just surprised, as you say. It was maybe one of those things where he just started talking and then words came out of his mouth and it was too late to stop and then he, he, he had said it and it was out there. Cat was it's out just, the bag. It's such a stupid thing for him to say. I'm, I, it is incredible that he said it. And I'm glad he did, though, because it it was what we all knew it was. Everybody knew this was an attempt at gaming the system and the conservatives were lying. It feels so strange to have one of them outright just say, yeah, you're right, we were lying. <laughs> it's like, what? Right, should we move on? Well, I guess, here's a, here's a question. Is Do you think oh, they're going to undo their ID nope. rules? Because you're right in that he's flat out admitted they tried to essentially uh, rig part of this election. Yeah, rig, they rigged the system. They gamed, they're trying to game the election. Game yeah. The system. yeah, game the system. Okay, they've admitted it, but what, they're going to do the honourable thing and say, uh, uh, hello, ladies and gentlemen of the House, uh, because Jacob Rees-Mogg uh, foiled our own plan and admitted that this was an attempt to game the system, we are going to withdraw this uh, or repeal this voter ID law. Well, Thank no. you very much. Well, and then, what, bask in the rapturous applause? No, of course they're not well, going to do that. Okay, so to to the Prime Minister who's listening, here's my proposal, is that you say, oh, well, we thought that there would be no actual effect on voter turnout and it would just stop the fraud. But it turns out that people from across the spectrum of voters uh, ended up being unable to vote and it affected su- supporters of all parties and therefore for the integrity of the elections. We are going to table the ID thing for now until we have right, national right. ID or something like but that. But then that's, the Conservatives hate that idea too. Like they, could just, they could sell it as like, a, oh we, yeah, they do. They do. They, indeed, they do hate anything that would actually help a good election and have ID. Yes. What about me? What about <laughs> my rights? Okay, well, talking off uh, the right, let's talk about Ron DeSantis because we oh, now have man. a second entrant in the 2024 presidential race. Yay. And this one was particularly, uh, I was going to say interesting, but let's just call it funny because he decided to launch it with his pal Elon Musk on Twitter on a audio live stream. <laughs> Which he uses Twitter spaces. malfunctioned because there were too many people on the call and Twitter couldn't handle it. Well, so did you listen to any of the audio, James? I, I actually haven't because I'm I okay. not prepared for the cringe. So there's two there's two things I would say. So first of all, Elon Musk starts the call and he says, I would like to welcome Governor DeSantis. I would like to welcome Governor DeSantis. 
All right, guys, there's too many people on the call. Uh, bear with. And then essentially what happened is they had to end the initial call and start a new one with far fewer people on it. And I saw that the conversation was compared to, do you know those radio stations you got in Grand Theft Auto? You drive a car yeah. and it would just be like this guy rambling in the most Completely incoherent but slightly dialogue. funny way. Yeah. Exactly that. And so somebody on Twitter synced up GTA footage with some audio from the Twitter space. It's perfect. So, this is the Florida governor, uh, which, yeah, his bid on Twitter eventually got underway 20 minutes late. Crazy man. Because of... A crazy, crazy man who is being authoritarian and disgusting. Just to make it clear, this is a joke. He's a, he is a joke, but he's also evil. Right. So, this is, uh, yes, of course, the Florida governor who has been in a long-standing war with Disney because Disney have <laughs> stood up against his... Okay, that's not evil. That one's hilarious. Don't say gay, Bill. We talked about this before... <laughs> the law in Florida that bans teachers from discussing anything to do with being gay unless it's like strictly well, and other to do bills. with... Uh... There's a lot of clampdown. Oh, right, on... right, but that's the one we talked about most recently. Yeah. So, Mr. DeSantis, he would be standing against <laughs> yes, Donald Trump. Two very sane and people. <laughs> for some people, DeSantis is the preferred candidate. Unbelievable. I guess. I get it. Yeah. But yeah, as you've highlighted there, he's overseen the enactment of high-profile laws that make it easier to own a gun in Florida, uh, restrict sex and gender identity education in schools, and curtail abortion access. And he's claimed that this Florida blueprint will act as a guide for how he would run the U.S. Terrifying. In a, a sharply conservative direction, I believe was his wording. Yeah, he's in in lighter news. He has he has he has called uh, climate science or or global warming the politicization of the weather. So clearly, wow, he's going to be great for the environment if he wins. Super. Uh, he's he's just he's trying to do what Trump did, which is make a cult instead of have good politics. Um, it's not quite backfiring yet in Florida to a degree that's completely tanked his career, but a lot of what he's doing is is not good for the people in the long run. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're seeing it in several states where they're trying to clamp down on like migrant workers and then their construction industry falls apart and there's nobody to... It's kind of like what Brexit did for us. Uh, they're clamping down on expressions uh, out with uh, straight mm-hmm. whites, you know, and... The result is uh, people flee as soon as they can. Uh, People are under constant threat and there's an increase of violence. There's all these things that will continue to get worse and worse and worse and will eventually tank all of these people's careers. But for the time being, they're happy in their cult. They're happy being uh, famous, making money just for existing and all those things and trying to wield that to get bigger positions of power. This is one of the weirdest power attempts, though, because why would you pick Twitter? Yep. Why would you pick an audio-only yep. announcement? Like that, even from a comms perspective, that makes zero sense. Makes no sense. And he's not just, he's like, he's got strategy people. So the only reason I can see that he would do that is because he's like trying to get in with Elon's right-wing fan base, right? Yeah, that would be, that's the ultimate thing is that he was trying to, but Twitter is such a small website. It's not yes, even like yes. that big of a hub for people. So, this isn't influential really. It's just the, where the news comes out. On that point, so Reuters have said that at its peak, 600,000 people were listening to the launch 
in comparison to when the BBC no BBC interviewed Elon Musk we talked about a few weeks ago, which was at three million. Yeah. And that was on Twitter. Yeah, this, that that's kind of like the, it's just such a bad strategical decision. And then also the other part is the hypocrisy of of Elon, who's complaining that this, the predecessors at Twitter were too political and too biased and too one sided. And then yep. he is hosting the presidential bid for exactly <laughs> one person on one side of the aisle. Mm, the Republicans. Imagine. How about that? Are we surprised again? It's like shocker. No surprise, but shocked. No. At the magnitude, it's like I can't. Like, it feels like satire, again. Everything always just feels like someone is writing satire because it <laughs> it, it, it makes sense, it's believable, well, but it's they, also unbelievable. <laughs> they can because all the writers are on strike. But the latest survey oh, from... Oh, true, there's not any, yeah, right now, yeah. Latest survey from Morning Consult, which was looking at the presidential hopefuls just before Mr. DeSantis's oh, announcement. This slate is so It has him bad. as a distant second behind Mr. Trump with a current 38-point margin. So work to be done. 38? Yeah, yeah. An aggregate of polls suggests it's around about 30. I didn't know it was that big of a gap. So long way to go for Ron. And of course, Mr. Trump did, uh, he did post on Truth Social after the announcement and said, uh, Rob... <laughs> <laughs> Don't know why. My red button is bigger, better, stronger, and is working. Yours does not. And then in brackets, per my conversation with Kim Jong-un of North Korea, soon to become my friend. <laughs> Which makes so much sense. How is this? How can anyone defend this man? Oh, no, you see what happened. No, you see what happened is lead pipes. There was a lot of lead pipes make, giving everyone their water. And it has given everyone brain rot. And now they think that people like DeSantis and Trump are very, very clever. Sure. Because they feel emotional about it. It has to be the lead pipes. There is no logical reason. <laughs> so it has to be the lead pipes. Yeah, you did uh, mention recently that because the tradition goes that you wouldn't challenge a sitting president who wants to re just, run for re-election. Anyone. But that's 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 going to be Biden then, obviously. Biden's re-running. Yeah, Biden-Harris. Against either Trump or DeSantis. Probably Trump. It's just actually depressing. Like, <laughs> it is actually, isn't it? <laughs> our future at Great. the very best is more Biden. Wow. That's inspiring. And then like in the UK, our future at the very best is Starmer. <laughs> who recently has come out to say he doesn't mind if everyone thinks they've rebranded as conservatives. Did he really? Because they need to change. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on. Let's get the actual quote. Okay. Oh, there, there it is. I'll read the headline. It's not exactly a quote quote, but I'll read the headline from uh, The Independent. I don't care if people think I'm a conservative, says Starmer, as he vows new labor on steroids. So New Labour is what Tony Blair did to make the Labour Party basically economically okay. conservative, but like a little bit liberal socially. And now, now he's going, oh, we're going to do that, but harder. Fantastic. <laughs> it's, 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 it's impossible to make progress if all the parties have exactly the same economic policy. And Starmer's like, oh, we're just going to have exactly or the samer. <laughs> Anyone who uses the phrase like XYZ on steroids or XYZ on acid clearly grew up in the 80s. Can we please bin that phrase forever? Yeah, so basically the future in the UK at best is the Conservative Party but in a different colour. And then Great. In, the, in the States it's the Conservative Party but with a different accent. <laughs>
Okay, let's uh, take it back to the UK. Supermarkets are being investigated by the competition watchdog over high food and fuel prices. So this is in the week where inflation, it was announced, has fallen to 8.7%. So it's still amongst the highest uh, in terms of developed nations in the world. But the Competition and Markets Authority this week said it was going to look at whether a failure of competition meant we were all overpaying. Yeah, uh, supermarkets, of course, saying, "Oh, we're working to keep our food prices as low as possible." But oh, we're really an trying. investigation into the fuel market, which already started, has found that mar- supermarkets, by and large, have increased their margins on petrol and diesel. Yeah, uh, with one in particular setting a and publishing a higher target for its margin on fuel prices in 2022, which then led to its rivals following suit. So, again, this is a week of not being surprised, but also being surprised. Are we surprised? No, no. And it, it, there is the two the two areas, and this the BBC article covers it. I read a very similar article about record profit margins in America, because that's the thing that matters. Sure, record profits happen when prices go up because of inflation, but record profit margins happen because of greed. Um, and so it's happening in the States here. So there's the two things. Yes, there have been crises, there have been wars, there's been all sorts of things to cause inflation to grow to go up, and therefore we get all these record profits, even if there's no profit margin increase. And I think there should be a profit margin decrease when things are really bad. I think when when things are bad, companies should be like, oh, maybe we should make a bit but less money because everyone's struggling. Again. No, no, no. You're asking people to do like the honourable and right, have and right thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, in a moral world, they would make less money when things are bad. In Fairyland, yeah. Sorry, Fairyland makes it sound like it's perfect for the gays. Fantasyland, yeah, fine. Yeah, and then in like neutral land, the profit margins should maybe be the same, and they get record profits when things are bad. But it turns out that things were bad, and they put up their profit margins. And this has happened for UK and in, in, like gas prices at the at the supermarkets happened. The states. It's happened for different uh, different goods as well. So we're not just talking about fuel. The margins are up at record levels, which means that they are just being greedy when things are terrible. <laughs> like, what do we do? Well, I, I guess nothing. We will have the the competition and markets authority will look into it, and then in eighteen months they'll say, "Oh, you know what? We were right. They did raise all the prices artificially." And um, yeah. naughty, naughty. No, the. the we already know that we're right. This, that the facts are out. The, like, not just for fuel. I, I'm not going to list the rest because I don't have it on hand. Sure, but sure. costs have gone up, yes. Prices have gone up more than costs and more than just a 20% margin. It's gone, it's gone higher. So there is the greed. We already know there is the greed. And then nobody's doing anything about it. There's an investigation. Oh, we're going to give them a slap on the wrist. <laughs> like, come on. We need far more of these industries to be actually just managed and forced into doing things fairly. It should be criminal to do what they're doing. Okay, let's... Move on. Let's talk uh, about actually Serbia. Let's revisit this story. This was after the two mass shootings in April, uh, or maybe actually been the, the start of May. 
where there were nine people killed on two consecutive days in different shootings. And within a week, tens of thousands of Serbians have gone out and protested. They demanded bans on violent TV content, better security, the resignation of key ministers. And yeah, it was the start of May. So 17 people died over the course of two days. And uh, this was, as this article from uh, Reuters saying... Crowds and numbers not seen in the Balkan country for decades. So clearly a big impact. And I'm unsure whether that's led to any resignations or change, but clearly a big enough issue that they decided to get to the streets, take to the streets and do something. Exactly. So even though the leaders of the country came out and said, we're making reforms, we're doing these things like uh, letting people turn in their illegal guns and not get in trouble or making new laws and stuff like that there is still there is still demand for more which obviously is good to see if there's if there's unacceptable violence and there's things that are and if there's an unacceptable state at all there should be protests from the people so they're protesting i i also don't know if there's been any other promises of further change or any other direct results from this but just because we mentioned last week that or last time rather that there was immediately a response from government Clearly, the response still wasn't strong enough. Okay, and a couple more stories, which may not actually turn out to be anything, but it did seem interesting (laughs) they both happened in the same week. Yeah. Uh, This was the news that a man was arrested in London on Thursday after crashing a car into the streets, into the gates, I should say, at Downing Street. (laughs) So the Met Police said he was being held on suspicion of criminal damage and dangerous driving, not being treated as terror-related. Yes, basically, that's the big one. Uh, no one was hurt. Number 10 confirmed the Prime Minister was in Downing Street at the time. <laughs> the Prime Minister was not the gate. No, but if you watch the video, it's just this car like driving along and then it crosses the road and goes straight into, just crashes straight into the gate. So for me, it's like someone who hasn't done their homework, wanted to, he'd had enough of Rishi and thought, you know what, I'm going to crash into number 10 Downing Street and clearly didn't do a recce. I realize there's giant gates with armed security people at the door. Yeah, they got some bootleg sat-nav, and, and the sat-nav's just like, there's a street, go straight ahead. He's like, oh, sure, sure, yeah, 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 I'll go. Uh, we did also then have, just a few days earlier, uh, across the pond, Yeah, uh, this was a U-Haul truck, one of these big, bit more, like, bit more serious, yeah. home-moving trucks, which crashed into the gates at the White or House. The fences or something, yeah. So the suspect's been identified, 19-year-old Sai Varshith Kandula, who began waving a Nazi flag mm-hmm. after crashing his truck outside Lafayette Park just before 10 o'clock on Monday night. No one was hurt. No explosive or, uh, explosives or weapons were found. But um, yeah, this teenager he intended has been harm. charged for allegedly threatening to kill the president. Right, yes. So once again someone who maybe didn't do their homework and realized you can't just crash into his bedroom window. There's quite a distance between the actual yeah, house. Oh man, I'll just I'll just aim for the office. I'll <laughs> aim and see if I can catapult myself through the windshield and maybe land in the oval office. Yeah. Maybe that's what he thought. So a bit more serious though cuz this one was a it's the the the, uh, the the alleged harm is is more serious than just like some guy who crashed into a gate. But yeah, it's just it is really interesting that they both happened in the same week. We get the tinfoil hats on and stuff, and it becomes even more interesting. But no, it's just apparently the week for crashing into fences near leaders of countries. 
for different reasons. Yeah, to me though, the difference here, and this is the the story which has been published on various news sites. Kundula allegedly told the Secret Service he'd flown he'd flown from St. Louis, Missouri, on a one way ticket uh-huh. after months of planning. Months of and planning. And the quote he wanted to get to the White House, seize power, and be put in charge of the nation, saying he would kill the president if that's what I have to do. That is how power works in every country. Is if you kill yeah, the sitting leader, in. you become the leader. That's it. That's that's how you win. Absolutely. So no, so months of planning to come up with that genius. Um, I think it implies a state of mind, maybe of not quite sane. Correct. Um, so it, I, I'm sure there will be more follow up to this story and the Downing Street one. Uh, but yeah, just neither event actually too impactful. Pun intended. Right, James, let's talk about what we've been watching, yeah. slash, or actually, in terms of a listener review, what we've been reading. Mm. To the extent, and I want to re- react off the back of the review because uh, I did some digging and I thought it was very interesting, but I'll save that for just a second. Okay. What have you watched? I watched Star Wars Visions Season 2. What is this, before I ask you to talk about it more? You may remember when I talked about Star Wars Visions Season 1. It is Remember it well. a bunch of like animation studios that are just getting told by the Star Wars people, make a Star Wars episode. Whatever you want, really. Okay. I'm sure they work together to make sure it's good and acceptable, but it's just animation studios getting told, make a thing for Star Wars, please. And the first season was a bunch of anime studios. Um, and this season was just a bunch of studios worldwide. There was... Actually, there's an Aardman episode, you know, Walls and Gromit, those those ones. Oh, right. Wow. They did an episode. There was an episode from that Irish animation studio whose name I just forgot. There was an episode from like Chile. I think it was, I think it was Chile. Nice. Uh, South, South, South Africa, Korea. Uh, there was just all over the place. You could see all the different influences. There was an Indian one. Um, so it was very cool to see. Um, of course... Because you're watching a short from one studio, it has to be a self-contained story. So you know, you kind of know the story beats as you go. And you see the intro and you're like, oh, well, here's the resolution. Here's what's going to happen for most of them. So there's different degrees of of uh, merit, I would say. All of them are very artsy in their own ways. There's a bunch of different styles. So it's not all just anime this time. There's, there's uh, of course, the Aardman style. Yeah, um, iconic. Uh, stop motion through to through to more anime styles um but they're all very stylish and then some of them also have substance okay you know some of them actually have a good story as well there are ones that are just like very stylish star wars thing happens and you're like okay i like the style but story didn't impact me at all those are like good to watch though still entertaining so the worst still pretty great um, so, so I actually recommend again, much like I did with the other one. Even for like, if you just kind of like anime, you kind of like Star Wars, you don't want to do the investment of watching a billion episodes of The Mandalorian. You don't want to spend a billion years catching up with the lore. These are great because they just are standalone stories that sometimes just reference things that you might be familiar with, but it's just a showcase of a of an art house's abilities. And some of the episodes were really good, like very very good episodes, right. like beautiful. Good sound, good animation, good story, very compelling. I think the last one especially has been pretty popular because it was a very unique style. Um, 
I could go on, but I won't. It's just very good. I enjoyed it a lot. I hope they keep doing this thing where they just let people. Is it a make Disney things. Plus show? Yeah, Disney Plus, and they just they're just letting people be creative, and that's the kind of stuff we like. Just be creative, do thing. Okay. Well, I've I've got one thing to review, but it's going to be very short. It's okay. Better Call Saul season one. Oh, you've started. Which myself and Graham have started, and I finished season one. Now I enjoyed the show. Uh-huh. I think because it's a little bit of a slow burn. It is. And there's a lot of jumping back and forth and it's going, you know, it starts with modern day, I'm using my air quotes here. Depresso Saul. Saul Goodman, Depresso Saul, black and white footage in the Cinnabon in Nebraska Saul. And then it goes back to his early days. Then it goes back to his early, early days. So there's a lot of like hop, skip and jump there. Yeah. And I can see where they're, how they're laying out the dominoes, shall we say. Okay. And I'm, I expect the show to pick up some steam because I appreciate you've got to set up this whole yes board before you can start having real fun with it. So it's fine. Like it was a good solid start. Would I go back and <laughs> yeah. watch it again as a great TV show? No, but I wouldn't do that with Breaking Mad season one either. So exactly, yeah. It's gonna build up steam. That's fine, and I'm sure by the time I get to later seasons, I'll be thinking, "Wow, the show was amazing." So, I yeah. do look forward to hearing what you think about later seasons. I enjoyed them. Before we get to our listener review, I want to talk about the fact that the lead writer of the next Avengers movie, Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, has been fired. Did I tell you this? Or did you see this, I should say? (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay, so this is the lead writer, sorry, the former lead writer, Jeff Loveness, who wrote the newest Ant-Man movie, uh, Quantum Mania. Oh, which went down real well. Which went down so poorly. He's what a loss. Now been kicked off the Avengers film. Oh, so is it actually just firing because of bad writing? I, I yes. It's not like he's done anything. It's not like he's. So it's not just like he did something scummy. Yeah. Accused of anything. It just sounds like because of how much of a colossal failure that movie was and how much everybody hated it. Uh, he's off. He's off the movie. Goodbye. Right. Good. You know, good. And it, it, obviously, maybe it makes the that the next Avengers film a bit of a question mark, but there already was a big question mark. So we just got two question marks. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, let's um, talk about the review that we were sent by ML. Thank you, ML. This is, in fact, you know what? Before I spoil anything, and I do want to have a chat about the book uh, after we finish. So without further ado, here's ML. Seesaw Parade. Today, uh, oh, it's ML. Hello. Hi. Uh, and today I'm coming at you with a book review. And the book in question is nice. 4,000 Weeks Time Management for Mortals by Oliver Berkman. And I have uh-huh. sort of held it up as if to my phone, as if you can see it. You can't see it, but never mind. Um, I appreciate it. This book is not quite purely a philosophical book and it's not quite purely a self help book. It's more like uh-huh. um, a guy who has done quite a lot of thinking about time and people and anxiety and history and stuff. And written it all down. And because of that, it's a really good read. Nice. It's very conversational and entertaining, and but it's also deep and thought-provoking, but without being sort of preachy and okay. prescriptive, I like. which is nice. The book is titled 4,000 Weeks because if you live to the age of 80, that is what you will get, 4,000 weeks. Yeah. And in opposition to most time management books, this book is not at all about how to squeeze the most out of that time or how to become your best self or to manage your days more efficiently. It's all about the fact that 4,000 weeks is not actually that long, that your time is totally finite and that instead of spending all your time and energy on how you can get through things and get things done, uh, you should essentially be taking almost the opposite approach. Yeah. Uh, Let me read you a quote that sums it up quite well. Okay. The 
average human lifespan is absurdly, terrifyingly, insultingly short. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that isn't a reason for unremitting despair or for living in an anxiety-fueled panic about making the most of your limited time. It's a cause for relief. You get to give up on something that was always impossible. (laughs) The quest to become the optimized, infinitely capable, emotionally invincible, fully independent person you're officially supposed to be. Then you can get to roll up your sleeves and start work on what's gloriously possible instead. Yeah. Just I fantastic. Like that. uh, oh, that's the end of quote, by the way. Uh, just fantastic no, was my comment. Have the right uh, just to be clear. Uh, yes, I, I thought it was just an excellent take. And as well as providing all this sort of philosophical, anthropological, let's try that again, philosophical and anthropological mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, thinking, he also breaks down, like, well, how do you apply this stuff practically? Okay. And a good example, I mean, there's loads. I really struggled to pick one good one to share um but he talks about deprioritizing mm-hmm. we know plenty about prioritizing and what's important blah blah, blah and what's necessary and essential mm-hmm. but he's like no you also have to sit down and decide what you're going to intentionally deprioritize mm-hmm. what what is not going to make it to the top of your list ever mm-hmm. um, and he used the example of maybe for you it's gardening maybe it's your garden maybe you look at your garden and you're like yeah in a perfect world i would love for this to look great but actually i just don't have the time and when you intentionally decide to deprioritize that what it means is instead of looking at your window and being like eh, my garden is a mess oh no and like panicking and thinking i need to do something about it and i'm going to get up an hour earlier or whatever instead of that you're just like yeah my garden is a bit of a mess but that's okay because it's it's been intentionally deprioritized it is okay so yes that's just one example of many very excellent and practical ideas on how to not be overwhelmed by not doing everything. There's very little I can say in terms of more critical feedback. I mean, some of the more philosophical points uh, got a little lost on me. It's not really the author's fault as such. But (laughs) I suppose if you're not really into that kind of reading about that kind of thinking, then it might not be for you. Also, there's no getting away from the fact that the book was written by a man. And as I'm sure you're aware, studies have shown that Mm -hmm. on average, men and women who live together and work the same hours, on average, the women will do something more, something like seven hours more domestic labor in the household per week. And so I do feel that any writing or thinking about time, productivity, tasks that doesn't address that gender factor maybe misses something. I agree. But that is really quite a small point um, as it's you know you could write a whole other book on that subject and many people have Um, overall yes I've been a very readable so so much more helpful than anything else I've written on anything else I've read even on time management or productivity Uh I can already see how little shifts in my thinking are reducing my time anxieties just improving my overall quality of life nice. so that's good so if you are even a little bit of an over planning schedule cramming got to do it all type not that we know any of those uh, do we Colin no, no, uh, no. then I would highly recommend okay cool bye. bye right so thank you Mel that was an excellent review and to the extent I listened to it loved it loved it yeah and I thought that sounds exactly up my street so I added it to my Amazon wish list but then I thought you know what I, I actually funnily enough don't have the time to read it right now so uh-huh. what I did instead was I like went on the preview of the book and I was reading through it I was looking for anything practical that I could put into action right now before I read the book right. and uh-huh. I found something which was okay make 
make a list right. of the five things that you want to get out of life. Like, what are your five things that you want to have left life having done? Breathed. Write those down, and then with the time that you have, do things which are connected to those five. Right. And if there's anything else that's not in the top five, ignore it. Shuck it. <laughs> just don't do get it. Get out of there. And it just... That realization of, you know what, you're right, my to-do list will never be over. It will always have things on it. And that is okay. Because I have been, and many of us, fighting so hard to get to the end of our to-do list. And we'll, a future self who will wake up and there's nothing to do. Yeah. And then you realize, no, that's impossible. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. Good job. And actually, once you accept that, suddenly... Time is your oyster. So I even in the yeah. yeah the ten minutes I spent kind of flicking through this the digital preview, really helpful. So absolutely four thousand weeks. It's on my wish list. I will get it once I have actual money that I'm not spending on a house. Thank you, ML. And if you, dear listener, want to review something, yes, you listeners in the shadows, you too, send us a review. <laughs> Seesawparade at gmail dot com. It doesn't have to be audio. You can write it. We'll yeah, read it yeah, out yeah. for you. Yeah, you know what? If you want to remain in the shadows, there are there are methods to get temporary email addresses and stuff like that. You can mm. hide your identity. The shadows are comfortable. They're warm. Send us a little written review. Cozy. ML, just like you held up the book to help us understand that what we were seeing was real good, I was nodding along the whole time you were talking, and I need you to know that. And to give everybody the insight into why you always hear uh, James reacting and never me, yeah. it's because I'm holding up my phone to my microphone, and so I can't have both at once. That's why. Sorry. Yeah. We, what we should maybe do is I just synchronize the, the playing of the recording uh, separately in our ears. Sure. Rather than you just... Holding. holding it up so I get a degraded version. <laughs> That's a good idea. We'll find a way of doing that. Okay, trailer time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Two trailers. The first one, Martin Scorsese is back. Right. This behemoth of American cinema and his the, new yeah. movie, One of them big boys. Killers of the Flower Moon, with Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, yeah. uh, Jesse Plemons, and a bunch of other people. Here's a clip. The Osage took their name from Missouri and Osage Rivers. Neukonska. Children of the Middle Waters. Move, said the Great White Father. There are many. So many hungry wolves. Can you find the wolves in this picture? I like that Jesse Plemons made the little list there. That was that was nice. I like Jesse. Right, what did you think of the trailer? Pretty good trailer, you know? Yeah, great. Don't think I didn't really know what happens in the film, but it still made it look very good. So, well done, trailer people, for making it a good trailer. The reviews so far, I believe it's been screened at Venice, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Venice Film Festival. Reviews have been, as you'd expect, five stars all around the, the board. Ovation. And they didn't stop clapping all night. It's based on Everyone a... Everyone kind of got really thirsty before they left. It's based on a true story, which is uh, some yeah. Native Americans who turned out their reservation was on top of lots of oil. And suddenly they all became very rich overnight. Yes. But then the white people said, hey, yes. we don't like the fact you're very rich. We're going to do something about it. And that's the movie. 
And by doing something about it, I mean straight up just murdering Native Americans. Yeah, which is just what kind of people did to anybody who had the money and they wanted it back in the day and where they were deemed less human because they weren't white. Yeah. Anyway, looks great. Looking forward to that. I'm sure that will clean house at the awards next season. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. It's just gonna be depressing, though, as well, right? It's gonna be. Oh, it will depressing. be. Yeah, and too real. But um, there's. They're already talking about uh, DiCaprio picking up his second Oscar. So oh, we'll see. Oh, interesting. Anyway, second trailer, total other end of the spectrum. Less depressing. Barbie. Barbie <laughs> has a trailer. This is Margot Robbie, yeah. Ryan Gosling. Yeah. J- just okay. Here's a clip. Diamonds under my eyes. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. So is yesterday, and so is tomorrow, and every day from now until forever. Yeah. You guys ever think about dying? I, mean, I forget who's directing this. Who's directing I, it? I don't know. <laughs> Somebody. Okay, what do you think? I'll look it up. Trailer-wise, it kind of just looks like a Barbie film that is doing that kind of like self-aware humor thing that we like to do these days. Um, but flawless, honestly. It's Greta Gerwig. Yeah, it is. It's Gerwig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it just—it actually just looks like it's gonna be a really fun film. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is why I like it because I was expecting this to be directed by I don't know just some kind of middle class white dude, but Greta Gerwig has yep. directed some fantastic films in the last what decade. Yep. And if anyone was gonna do this film and do it well with, as you say, the kind of nods and winks that we like with these self aware movies. Then who better to do than Greta? So the happy days. I think the trailer looked loads of fun, and Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie just leading into the characters they're playing. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Sign me up. I think that's going to be great. Although I believe it's going head to head with uh, Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer, which is about the creation of the first nuclear bomb. Yes. So <laughs> yeah, I did see there were people chatting about like, oh boy, they're both opening on the same weekend. How how can we have this? But it's just like I like I don't like that as a narrative whenever there's films coming out at the same time that they're like competing Mm. really hard with each other one the overlapping audiences probably aren't too ginormous and i bet the ones that are overlapping will be happy to watch two films for sure over the course of a weekend there's there's also (laughs) sorry in this like extensive cast there is uh, a who's who of famous people. So yeah. whether it's and, Helen and Will Ferrell's in it. Will Ferrell, <laughs> Michael Cera, John Cena. I can't believe it, yeah. Uh, Simu Liu, who's from Marvel, Dua Lipa, Sharon Rooney, Alexandra Ship, Kate McKinnon. Yeah, it's just like loads of famous people it's a, yeah, and their it's a friends. Lot. And I, my only hope for the film is that Will Ferrell is funny. And I think that that requires a level of self-reference at this point that is huge because he's not funny anymore. He does the same thing all the he time. He was very good in his in his uh, the Lego Movie, and he had like a human role in that too, and he was funny there. So you know, it can still be done. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's that's kind of what I mean. Is like they have to actually just make him not just be the same joke that he's done for the last a billion years and do something a bit different. Uh, and I hope they do okay. that. That's my one thing that I'm like, maybe I'll be annoyed at Will Ferrell. But the rest of the film looks like there's a guarantee it's good. Okay, two short stories to take us home, both about social media. The first one about Twitter. Once again, revisiting this. Uh, this is the news that Twitter has approved four in f- more than four in five <laughs> censorship requests what? by authoritarian governments around the world. What? So this is... But Colin, I thought it was a huge problem that the people in charge of old Twitter kept kept listening to censorship requests. 
requests mm, from governments. Yeah, so I thought that that's why Elon bought the thing to stop such action. These are governments in countries like India, in Turkey, who have requested that certain posts are censored, taken down, or yeah, these accounts blocked. And it turns out that Twitter yep. has received, since Musk's takeover, 971 from governments, um, which is also mm-hmm. almost treble the amount of the previous uh, six months. And mm-hmm. of those 971, 808 have been approved and 154 have been partially approved, which means only 16 have been denied. <laughs> and prior to Musk taking control, Twitter had agreed to censor half of the requests yeah now yeah it, like it's saying it does just always sound scummy when you're getting governments shutting down it's stuff. bad there are different levels of good and bad sometimes you want the government goes oh that's some terrorism planning we should stop that one let's cancel the terrorism planning in the public space good when the government's like oh let's cancel the critical media about our government the government the media said that, that we're not doing so great let's silence them bad Twitter just like kind of doing all of them regardless because they're scared of the country not being on the platform anymore, I guess. Yep. Clearly weak. Not very, not very macho, not very alpha, Elon. Um, but that's his, that's, his, that's his reasoning. He's basically saying like, well, if we didn't listen to the authoritarian governments, they wouldn't let Twitter be on their mm. country's networks at all. And that's bad. Or we're, we've got threats of jail time, which I don't believe. I don't think any Twitter employee could go to jail if nope. they didn't listen to their request. But Elon's implying that they could. Um, it's just kind of weak. And it's it's just more more Elon kind of hypocrisy, uh, more Elon and whatever we've seen from the last ages of he said one thing before he took over Twitter and he's doing the other even more than old Twitter did. It's like, hey, we've, we've got to let the hyenas eat our children because otherwise they'll go somewhere else for their food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. Don't like it. Okay, and finally, Meta. Meta have been fined. Yes. Mm-hmm. $1.3 billion. Yeah, big number, big over number. Over transferring data from Ireland to the US. So this yes. is the largest fine of its kind yes. ever. Yes. And uh, a company's, basically, the company were told to stop sending data about its users, surveillance, yeah. uh, to the US back in 2013. It turns out they kept doing it. Yep. And uh, during Edward Snowden's uh, whistleblowing stint, it turned out that, yes, these uh, mass surveillance programs in the US were being enabled by the likes of Meta, sending all this data yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, their American overlords. And so the uh, it was an EU court, I'm sure which one. Uh, sorry, it was the Data Protection Commission in Ireland. Yes. They were the ones who found the company guilty guilty and uh, breaching the fundamental rights and freedoms of Facebook's European users, violating GDPR, and hit them with a $1.3 billion fine. So, how about that? I don't think they'll pay the vast majority of it, but well, there no, we go. Like, even if they do, like $1.3 billion over the course of a decade for one of these companies selling data Pennies. is not the amount of money they made from selling the data. For sure. They, they, they pay the fine, slap on the wrist. They're not going to change their practices. They're going to keep doing it. If Meta changes what they're doing because of this fine, I'd be more surprised than the surprise that I have about the size of the fine. Yes, great. It's a big number. Wonderful. The number needs to be all the money they made <laughs> and more. It needs to be punitive, not just like, oh, you shouldn't do that. 
oh boy, <laughs> you're bad. <laughs> but that's what it is. And that's what it is for all these companies. And it is across the board what we do for these mega companies in this free market that we have, where the only freedom is for companies to exploit us and then get a tiny little slap on the wrist to say, oh, naughty. <laughs> okay. Right, well, in terms of us being... Naughty. We've actually been in very good behaviour today. We've we finished in a reasonable time. We say that. But this must we, be a record. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. What's our actual aim for runtime these days? Oh man. I mean, our early episodes were like forty minutes long. I think these days, anywhere like b- just below a minute, a, a minute, a minute, hour thirty. <laughs> okay. All right. Ideal, yeah. but when it starts pushing like 140, 145, now we're like stretching people's patience. Uh, so yeah, 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 125, yeah. I can deal with that. that. Sounds good. And the edit is yet to be done. Exactly. I'll take out loads of the, the chunks of when I uh, called Boris Johnson a. Uh, no, you see there, just bleep. Just bleep. Well, exactly. That's, that's That bleep. was all the point of the joke. Oh, you were going to do it? You you odd yep. for too long. I think it has to I be did. right away. Try again. I think it has to be like immediate. Like you knew what you were going to say the whole time because okay. it's just so true. So in the edit, I took out loads of bits where I, told, I called uh, Suella Braverman uh, a Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Much better. Okay. Just keep bleeping now. I want whatever mm. I'm saying just to have the occasional one as well. Uh, even if it makes no sense. See, these listeners, they're a bunch of people who I really... Don't do that one. Who I really you. And also, see my dad. My goodness. That, <laughs> no, that, that one too. <laughs> You can't do these unless you actually bleep the other. Like I'm, the I'm, ble- bleep look, the I'm gonna bleep these all. I am bleeping all of these. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Oh okay. dear. All right. You know my cat. She's. I love. D- <laughs> Enough. Time for the show to end. Ceaseoparade yes. at gmail.com. If you're still there, still here listening, we appreciate you very much. We do. We do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, James, for all your thoughts, opinions, and quips. No, thank you for running this ship so efficiently. We've birthed it. Wow. Safely into the ending podcast harbor. Oh, birthed. Yes, birthed. birthed. Not birthed. <laughs> birthed. <laughs> Been birthed. Birthed in the harbor. That's terrible. <laughs> what accent is that? I'm running out of steam here. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Fine. See you next time. From the office. Yeah. No, no. One more from here. One more from here. Last one. Oh, yeah. One last thing. Uh, one last, last one. One. one last thing completely. You know what? You know what? What? Nicola didn't get arrested. I failed. Oh, yeah. You were wrong. Oh, well. Once in a blue moon. It does happen. Uh, yeah. Okay. Bye, James. Bye. <laughs>